You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of News Talk 770. Welcome to the April 15th edition of The Strong Room, presented by Macmillan Estate Planning. Protect yourself and your family. That will be the key theme at the upcoming Macmillan Estate Planning Seminar, Thursday evening, April 27th. One of the key topics at that seminar will be how good estate planning, which is really about life planning, helps keep families from fighting over assets in the estate. An excellent case in point is the family rifts that often develop over the family cottage. You would think it would be all about rest and relaxation, but the reality is it can actually lead to cottage wars. To explore this topic further, we have a guest expert on the program who has had a lot of experience in designing estate plans that preserve family harmony when it comes to issues like the family cottage. Trusted estate planning specialist Sherry McMillan is in conversation with Peter Watts of News Talk 770. Springtime, people are starting to think about yards and gardens and the green thumbs among us are uh, impatient to get out in the gardens. And there's the little matter of the family cottage, which is a popular subject on this program and at seminars. And maybe the summer home that uh, people in this part of the country have is in the U.S., Maybe it's in British Columbia. Maybe it's in Saskatchewan. Maybe it's in Alberta, too, for that matter. But there are rules on how that property has to be treated and how it has to be succeeded to the next generation. I think it's a really interesting dynamic that has shifted in our communities, Peter. I mean, it was unheard of, really, except for very, very wealthy families to have more than one home. But I would suggest to you that most families that have a six-figure size of a state or larger do have more than one home and sometimes two or three or four. You know, this has become commonplace that they'll have their place in Vancouver, they'll have their boat somewhere, and they might have a property in New York. And then they go and visit their kids who live in Iowa. You know, so this is how life is unfolding for us in modern society. And so there's a lot to be thought about. And the first thing I always bring up around family cottage, because although taxation is a severely prime reason that people plan their estate in effect, the real reason mostly is driven by keeping harmony in the family. And there's nothing like a family cottage that can create disharmony. (laughs) Because it has such sentimental meaning to a family unit. And as a case study, Peter, we currently have been brought into a family that has had a cottage and it's now into the third generation. But now in the third generation, there are 17 beneficiaries. So it's become impractical too, because there's no template There's no rule book, there's no timeshare structure, there's nothing. And the bills still have to be paid, and not everybody can show up the same weekend. That's right. And so, you know, you'll have one of the aunts or uncles who's now in their 70s, and then you have a grandchild that's two years old as a partner. It just becomes non-practical and non-functioning. So there are some tips and tricks that we always recommend to our families when they're contemplating the family cottage. First of all, family cottages cannot be replaced. So 
if it has memory attachment to it and sentiment attached to it, it's not like you can buy two more of them for your three kids and everybody has one. They want to have access to that cottage because it has meaning for them. So there is a business technique that we apply to it because in fact, that's what this becomes. Once the parent group is gone and doesn't have the authority over the cottage anymore, we need to run it like a small business. And so what we recommend is, let's say there's three children and they own the cottage. We don't have the children own it directly because if we have the children own it directly and they go through a divorce, they have to give half of that value to their spouse and they may have to actually sell the cottage to do that. So it jeopardizes the cottage for the family unit. So that's not the technique we recommend. So a will does not create that benefit, Peter. We need a life plan and an estate plan to keep the benefit of having that property remain within the bloodline. So you can go through as many divorces as you want, but your cottage stays within your Mm -hmm. family unit. You've taught me about trusts over the years. It's one of the most valuable tools that you have uh, that you use, and, and it's a fascinating legal concept and amazing what it can provide. It's really such a nice opportunity for families because it can be used so constructively. And I have to say that when originally we were using them, say, 25, 30 years ago in Canada, because it took us a long time to create wealth before we needed to utilize them, you know, they were built very generically, I suppose, and there were no real benefits associated with it other than holding the asset. But now we've learned that you can build all kinds of wonderful strategies into a trust document. So for example, if we were you know, managing that family cottage, what we could say is everybody's entitled to a third interest if there's three children. And that third interest rotates every calendar year so that everybody gets a fair shake at particular times like Christmas season or summer. And that way there's a fairness approach to it. And, you know, we can build those kinds of infrastructures into the set of principles and rules that govern how the property is cared for. And one of the big ones is, you know, no doubt, Peter, you brought that up, is how do you finance this cottage? And it's something that has to be contemplated because if you set aside the cottage for your three children and don't set aside any money for maintenance and your children don't have means to pay the maintenance, we have another dilemma on our hands. And so frequently what we see many families do is rather than giving all the wealth directly to the children, they may give the cottage to a trust and maybe some funding for that cottage. And that way, for a few years, it's already protected before we get everything sorted in the estate. So there's a lot of practical things that can be done. Now, there's one more area that I always like to mention. It is the tax on cottage. Because the tax rates have gone up in Canada, it means you have more estate tax on your cottage than you had before. And we need to account for that in being proactive if we're trying to preserve that in your family's estate. And so a lot of people have overlooked that with the increases in tax. They're more concerned about today and how that impacts me this year. And don't get me wrong, we are concerned too, but there's a larger impact coming. And cottage takes a number of forms. Yes, it can be the standalone property by a lake in a rural part of the country. It can be a house trailer at Gull Lake, as an example. There are taxes that have to be paid on those properties because the municipality will demand it. And does a trust in some way protect that or does the trust become the collection point for the contributions and then the taxes are paid out of the trust? The wonderful part about a trust, Peter, is that it actually mitigates some tax for long durations of time. So 
I will give you a case study right now. We're working with a family and I totally agree with you that the family cottage has changed and shifted. I mean, it's often lakefront property and oceanfront. But I would say in modern times, I mean, I have some families who have motor homes. And this is not an exaggeration to the tune of between one and two million. Well, that is a cottage. And ultimately, how do you protect it? We have many families who have planes or specifically I have some clients that have yachts that they, you know, keep in Florida. So one of the main concerns is wherever you own an asset is where you have an estate. So if I have a yacht parked in Florida, then I have a U.S. asset and then I'm going to have consequences to that. Whereas if I use a trust and it's the owner of the asset and I'm not personally the owner of the asset, maybe I don't have a consequence in my estate. And so this is a really unique technique to protect that cottage from undue taxes in other jurisdictions. And it's commonplace that we will hold our assets such as these type of properties. You know, when you have a $2 million motorhome, you might park it somewhere on a piece of land and not be bringing it back and forth. Then we have to consider it as a cottage in that country and then plan appropriately around it. And frequently, as you made mention, the trust is the solution. These are the kinds of questions that, uh, as I said earlier, are often asked at uh, Sherry's seminars or they're often asked when the phone rings at the office and one of her people uh, takes a call. They're the kinds of questions that if you are hearing something that echoes in your own life, you may want to consider attending the next seminar. It's coming up on Thursday evening, April 27th, 7 p.m. As I said, it might be the best 90 minutes you could possibly spend in terms of your own financial plan and your own prospects for the future. So again, Thursday, April 27th, 7 p.m., contact McMillan weekdays during business hours at 403-266-6464 or visit the website at www.macmillanestates.com. McMillan spelled M-A-C-M-I-L-L-A-N. When we come back after this short break, Sherry McMillan talks about two more key topics at the upcoming McMillan Estate Planning Seminar minimizing tax, and protecting your asset base. This is The Strong Room. 